0: Hey folks, Andy Patton here. The Zags are set to play LMU tonight. We preview the Lions on Wednesday's show, but today will be a look at my five things to watch in the first segment before closing out the show with Andy Locks, grading listener-submitted hot takes all episode long, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to take you through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. I want to thank all of you who make this podcast your first listen of the day, and those of you who have checked out the show on YouTube. As I have said, it is the one of the fastest growing channels on the Locked On Podcast Network. I have redone the entire front page; it looks great. Come check it out if you haven't already. Now is a great time to join the Locked On Zags YouTube group. Hit that subscribe button after searching for Locked On Zags on YouTube.com. You'll find it there. Today is game day. It is. Thursday, it is Zags versus LMU, 6 p.m. tonight. The Zags were off on Saturday. It feels like it's been a really long time since they played. They've obviously had some lengthy breaks throughout the season because of COVID-19. It's nice to get them back on a two-game-per-week schedule. LMU tonight, Portland Pilots on Saturday. Hopefully we can see a little bit more of a kind of consistent schedule for the rest of the season. I'm not holding my breath. The WCC's got a lot of games to make up. I think we're going to see plenty of games get moved around as the rest of the year goes forward. But for now, looks like this week is safe with LMU and Portland. Uh, Wednesday's show, I previewed the LMU Lions, talked about how they haven't quite lived up to expectations this year in the second year under coach Stan Johnson. Uh, Eli Scott, very good. Joe Quintana, very good shooter. They got some pieces, but the team as a whole has not really gelled together all that well, despite being almost the exact same group they had last season, uh, 9-8 and on the year. Now, I want to look at five things that I'm going to be watching for in this game. I do this for almost every single game, just kind of Key things, whether it's matchup-based things or defensive strategies that I think we may or may not see in the game. Maybe some players we don't see very many minutes of. And then after the game on Friday's show, we'll kind of go over these five things. Say, hey, did it end up being a thing that was a factor in the game or not? And kind of just use that information to inform ourselves for upcoming games. So for the first one, this has been a key one the last couple of days. Uh, Does Gonzaga get back over 100 points? I think that's the question that is on a lot of people's minds heading into a game that ultimately the outcome is not really a big question. At least with USF and BYU, there was at least some consternation of, hey, like this is a game the Zaks could realistically drop. Like this is a good enough team that could really handle them. Uh, with no disrespect to LMU whatsoever, I don't think that the outcome of the game should be a big concern for a lot of Gonzaga fans as we as look forward to this game tonight. But I am curious if the Zags are going to score 100 points again. LMU, not a great defensive team, 173rd uh, in the defensive rating per Ken Palm. But they're only allowing 71.2 points per game, which I'm not a mathematician, but that's a lot less than 100 points. They haven't played a great schedule, so that's a factor as well. And the 71.2 points per game is 250th in the country, so they're still not a good defensive team. Uh, And they've been allowing 77.6 points per game through conference play. So if most the rest of the conference can score close to 80 on them. There's a pretty good sign that the Zags are going to be able to drop 100 on them. The Zags are healthy. They are rested. They had, did not have a game on Saturday, like we said, so they have had a lengthy break that could lead to some rust potentially, but my expectation is that this team is going to be cruising from tip-off till the final buzzer, and I think we're going to see the fourth Yes, the fourth game for the Zags in conference play, the third game for the Zags where they have topped 100 points. I think we're going to see it again. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. I think this team is an offensive juggernaut. I don't think USF, excuse me, LMU has the pieces to really handle this team uh, on either end of the floor, and I think Gonzaga is going to get over 100 pretty easily. Uh, next up, Wilkins force forced 20 turnovers. I'll tell you what, that would go a long way towards getting towards that 100 points as if they're able to force a lot of turnovers. And LMU coughs up the basketball a lot. They are averaging just under 16 turnovers per game. It is the 15th highest turnover rate in the country. That is not good. Not something that you want to be celebrating. I think it's very possible that against a tough physical more talented team in Gonzaga that this LMU team could cough the basketball up even more. Eli Scott himself, uh, we've talked a lot of praise about him and there's a lot of really good aspects to his game, but he is a big man who handles the basketball a lot. And as we have seen with Drew Timmy and to a lesser extent, Chet Holmgren this year, big men who have the basketball in their hands often commit a lot of turnovers. And that's kind of, it's okay. It's kind of a part of the trade-off that you deal with when you give big men the basketball away from the basket Basically every possession down, which is the way that LMU kind of likes to run things through Eli Scott, but he's going to have, I mean, he's going to have either Chet Holmgren or Drew Timmy or Anton Watson on him all game long. Uh, most likely, I think Chet, I think Drew will guard him if he's playing away from the basket so they can kind of let Chet play more of a rim protecting role. But I think virtually all the time that Anton Watson is on the floor, he will be guarding Eli Scott. Watson has incredibly quick hands, is very, very good at poking the basketball away. I think there's an opportunity for there to be a lot of steals in this game, which, of course, leads to a lot of fast breaks, which, of course, is really fun to watch. So I think there's a good opportunity for this to be a game full of highlight reel plays, uh, some really exciting stuff going on on the court. I don't know that the score will be super close, but if Gonzaga can force a lot of turnovers on the perimeter, can force Eli Scott into making bad passes, I think there's opportunities for a lot of runouts, potentially some alley-oops or at least some really fun dunks. Uh, because I think this is the kind of game where that could really be a factor. And I think Hunter Salas, too. We've talked about him a handful of times already this week. He's kind of been a a hot topic of conversation because of his uh, talent level and the lack of playing time that he has been getting. I think this is a great opportunity for him to play a lot of minutes, uh, not just because I think that the outcome of this game might be determined pretty early, but because uh, I think he is a good matchup because of that defensive prowess, because playing a turnover-prone team with a guy who has a really, really high steals rate, uh, one of the best in the country for a guy in his role, I think he could get out in transition a lot in this game, and that would be super fun. Number three, uh, the same one that's been on there for the last couple of games, because it's always a question coming into every game. How is Gonzaga going to shoot the rock from beyond the arc? Uh, They are now up to 36.3% on the season. That is decidedly average to above average. They are a average to good three-point shooting team this season. That is not what I thought that they were going to be. I have said that repeatedly on this show that I thought that they were a bad three-point shooting team who had good nights. Now I am more inclined to believe they are a streaky three-point shooting team uh, who sometimes have very, very good nights. At the points that I was saying that, they had not really had any of those good nights. I'm very happy to have been proven wrong in this situation, and I hope that that continues to be the case. Gonzaga shot the absolute crap out of the ball in their first couple of conference games. They did not shoot nearly as well against San Francisco, a team that I think really dared them to shoot the outside shot and was taking away the middle as much as possible. That's what good teams who are capable of doing it are going to do to Gonzaga. They're going to try their best to force Drew Timmy to be uncomfortable, to force him to not get the basketball in spots where he's comfortable shooting it, or if he does get the basketball in those spots, to double team him immediately. A lot of teams have tried this. Not a lot of teams have succeeded. But when teams do succeed at this, and they will, it will happen. <laughs> when that happens, Gonzaga needs to have other alternatives offensively. They do, but they need to be consistent with those. I guess is the best way to put it. Because if Drew Timmy has an off night, you need to be able to rely on your guards to shoot the ball well from beyond the arc. Doing so from from the three-point line forces the defense to step out. It gives Drew Timmy more room to get position. It just creates a whole host of issues for the defense. You look at the Texas Tech game. They had a strategy to try to stop Drew Timmy, and then Gonzaga came out and shot the crap out of the basketball, and they had to abandon their strategy because otherwise they were just getting killed on the three point shot in the NCAA tournament that will be a big key is Gonzaga being able to prove that they can do both scoring in the inside and scoring on the outside against LMU. They're probably not going to have to do that, they don't have a ton of size, a ton of ability to stop Drew Timmy or Chet Holmgren or Anton Watson from scoring in the paint. Likewise, I think Gonzaga's ability to cut, their guards' ability to get around LMU's players and get to the rim are going to be strong enough that they could probably win this game shooting very poorly or shooting very little from beyond the arc. But I would like to see them continue to do it. <laughs> this team is shooting 42% in conference play. I'd like that to continue or to be very close to that. They don't need to in this game, but that's not really the concern. The concern is continuing to sh- take reps in-game because shooting threes in practice and shooting threes in the game is a very different thing continue to improve in that area because if this is a 40% three-point shooting team consistently night in and night out when the NCAA tournament starts, their odds of winning the the NCAA championship go up a lot in my mind. Next up, uh, some minutes questions. Does Andrew Nembhard play over 30 minutes? Again, this has been a topic talked about a handful of times on this show, but Mark Few really likes to ride his starters a lot, even in conference play, even in situations where the game is decided fairly early. Uh, We saw it last year a lot with Corey Kispert, who played well over 30 minutes per night, When they had Julian Strother, who only played about seven minutes per night, and obviously has proven this year how capable he is as a Division I basketball player, and then you see a a Corey Kispert who looked a little bit gassed, a little bit fatigued when we got into the NCAA tournament. There may have been other factors. It may not have been, you know, I, I don't know that us saying, hey, he played 36 minutes against Portland on January 4th, and that's why he was bad against Baylor, is entirely an accurate way to look at it. But it's not like this is the first time this has happened either, and I think there is some some reason to believe that Mark Few should be more willing to play his starters in the 24 to 28 minute range in games like this. Again, we don't know what the outcome of this game is going to be yet, but if it goes in the direction that I think is very possible that it goes, then I would like to see, you know 18 to 20 minutes to 25 minutes even from a, from a Hunter Salas, from a Nolan Hickman, maybe even from Ben Gregg, we'll talk about in a second. Like there's there's reason for these guys to if they're going to be a part of the future. There's reason that they should be more a part of the present. And I know that there are many examples of guys who didn't have a huge role, and then blew up the next season. Obviously, Julian Strother is a very current example of that. Joella Yayi is a recent example of that. Rui Hachimira is a recent example of that. It is not unprecedented in Gonzaga's program for this to happen. So I don't want to criticize too heavily on Mark Few and their development staff, because obviously they have had a tremendous amount of success doing this. And if you know Who am I to say that they should play these guys more this year when they have this track record of success? However, if you have situations where your starters are gassed at the end of the season, that is something that needs to be addressed. Gonzaga has played more games the last couple of seasons than they ever did in Mark Few's history because they are playing all the way up into the national championship game, and it is tiring. And if there are players that are fatigued, that are struggling with that— Then maybe you need to recalibrate in the regular season. This is a potential, this and the Portland game on Saturday are both potential opportunities for us to see more of Nolan Hickman, more of Hunter Salas. And I think it's a good chance to to hopefully see Mark Few make some of those small adjustments. And then last, I already touched on it a little bit. I want to see some Ben Gregg. Like, again, we we talked about it a lot with the guards, a lot with Nempart, a lot with Kispert last year. And and the, the big rotation this year between Watson and Timmy and Holmgren has been such that none of those guys are playing like really dogged, exhausted minutes for the most part. But it would be nice to get a fourth guy in there. You look at Gonzaga's 2016-2017 team, you know, Killian Tilly played consistently about 10 minutes per night as the fourth big behind Shemek and Jonathan Williams and Zach Collins. This year, the Zags don't have a fourth big playing those kinds of minutes. It's not happening. Ben Gregg is not playing those kind of minutes. They're not really shifting Julian Strother up into a small ball four role, something I thought they might do more this year. So it's really just those three guys playing a lot of minutes. And again, it's not as many minutes because they feel really confident in Watson playing a bunch of minutes per night so everybody can get some rest, but it might be nice to see Ben Gregg play some more. I, I don't know the health and the status of Caden Perry right now. Uh, he may not be available for this game. If he is, I would obviously love to see him on the court as well. I just picked Ben because I know he's more likely to be healthy and available for this game. But again, it's kind of the same thing of like, let's get an opportunity to get these guys some more minutes, to get them on the court for longer than three or four minutes at a time, maybe get get a nice six, seven-minute stretch out of those guys and really see what they can do and have them be a little bit more prepared for their likely increased role next season. All right, second segment coming up. Going to be grading listener submitted hot takes for Andy Locks like we do every Thursday. Before we get there, though, let's talk about today's sponsor, NetSuite. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business, poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system out there to power your company's growth. With visibility and control of your finances, inventory, HR needs, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow as a company all in one convenient location. NetSuite lets you automate your processes and close your books in no time while keeping you ahead of your competition. In fact, 93% of businesses surveyed increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash lockedonNCAA. Head to netsuite.com slash lockedonNCAA for special end-of-the-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That's netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA. All right, segment two. Still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. And now we're switching over to Andy Locke's grading listener submitted hot takes, all episode long. This first take comes from Jordan via Instagram. He says it's not a Tommy Lloyd matchup, but the Zags get a Final Four rematch with UCLA. Yeah, so this is probably too hot just because predicting who's going to be in the Final Four in January is really, really tricky. I mean, hell, predicting who's going to be in the Final Four when you create your bracket for the first time is really, really tricky. But after UCLA dismantled Arizona in a Pac-12 matchup earlier this week, it definitely does seem more likely that UCLA is the team to advance through. Uh, This is a, a difficult UCLA team to kind of peg down. Uh, They, you know, they weren't very good last year in the regular season, then made that tremendous run, then were really, really highly touted coming into this year because they returned basically the same core. And then they have been fine for most of the year. They lost to Oregon. You know, they obviously got their doors blown off by Gonzaga. And then they turn around and win this big game against Arizona, a team that's kind of been really highly touted throughout the year as a top five, top or top 10, maybe top five team. But of course, Arizona had not really played any super elite teams, they played some good teams and secured some good wins. I don't think that they're bad, but they had not they, they had escaped without playing any of the really tough teams in the Pac-12 until earlier this week, and UCLA handed them a 16-point loss. So I'm not super confident about either of these teams, to be honest, which is kind of just how... We always seem to feel about the Pac-12 as we get closer to, to March. is like, are any of these teams good? Are all of them good? It's always a little bit tricky to tell. Last year, it seemed like they had a really good group. Uh, because of the results we saw in March Madness, where Oregon State is in the Elite Eight. You know, UCLA is in the Final Four. Really, USC had a great year. Uh, This year, it's a little bit less clear. I think UCLA and Arizona are both very good. And I think it's reasonable that Gonzaga will, will run into one of them on their way to the national championship game. Next up, Christian via Gmail. He says, the Texas Tech win will end up being the most impressive win for the Zags going into the tournament. Yeah, this was submitted uh, earlier in the week before UCLA beat Arizona. That makes it a a bit more of a hot take. I was almost going to label this too cold in the sense that I think right now Texas Tech may be Gonzaga's best win heading into the tournament, but then UCLA did that, and right now UCLA is the higher-rated team. Uh, They're higher in the polls. They're higher in Ken Palm. So... It's it's kind of right in between those two teams, uh, I think, for, for who's going to be Gonzaga's best win. Obviously, BYU is a nice victory for this team as well. They have other good wins. It's not like those are the only two, but I, I do think it's going to come down between Tech and between UCLA. And I think there's a pretty good chance that Texas Tech is the choice. So this is right on the border between being a, a really solid hot take or potentially being a little bit too cold. Um, but I, I think it's going to come down to one of those two squads. Next up, this, type, this take comes from Emily via Facebook. She says, Ben Gregg will have a double-double before the year is up. <laughs> I love it. I, I think I, I, it's too hot. I think that's uh, somewhat clear in the sense that he uh, is not playing nearly enough minutes per game to get up to 10 rebounds. I think it's very possible that he has an Umar Balo-like game where he scores a bunch of points in a six-minute span. We saw that from Balo last year. that he had 17 points in like eight minutes against, I believe, the I believe it was against Portland last year. I think Ben Gregg could absolutely do that. We've already seen a few games where he's had eight points in like two or three minutes because he hit a pair of threes, uh, but I'd be pretty surprised if he gets 10 rebounds in a game this year just because I don't think he's going to play the minutes that are necessary to get there. Uh, I think Ben Gregg's Future career in a Gonzaga uniform will include a lot of double-doubles because I think he's going to play a big role on this roster next next season. Him and Anton Watson and Caden Perry are going to be a, a, kind of the core nucleus of bigs next year, depending on what Drew Timmy decides to do. But I don't think we're going to see him get a double-double this year. I do think it's possible we see him get over 10 points this year, though. The final take for this segment comes from Christian via Gmail. He says, BYU will lose a WCC game to a team other than Gonzaga, USF, or St. Mary's. Yeah, it could happen tonight. <laughs> I think tonight is a is a great opportunity for that to potentially happen. Santa Clara on the road. Uh, Santa Clara is good. They're a top 80-ish, I was going to say 75, 80-ish team per Ken Palm uh, in the country. They've obviously had a, a very good year, a couple ugly losses early in the year, but they're healthy now. They were not healthy for a large chunk of the season. They were missing Yusuf Rankic. They were missing PJ Pipes for a couple of weeks. Both those guys are healthy. Going into this game, BYU, as we've talked about a handful of times on this show, they don't have a lot of size. They have very, very little size with Gavin Baxter out for the rest of the season. Uh, they're shorthanded in the front court. They got a couple of freshmen, Traore, very, very good young player, uh, but they just they don't have a lot of depth in the front court. And Santa Clara doesn't have a ton of depth in the front court either. But they're one of the few teams that has enough size to really kind of punish BYU for for not having a lot of it. Uh, and and they have some shooters, obviously Keyshawn Justice, a very good outside shooter. Jalen Williams, extremely talented as well. If they can get hot from beyond the arc, BYU is susceptible to this kind of loss. Their their team relies so heavily on Alex Barcelo uh, as a a score, as an outside shooter, that if he's he's off at all and Santa Clara is not off, (laughs) that's all that it would take for this game to be a win for the Broncos. I think there are a lot of other teams that Probably don't have a recipe to beat BYU, even if Barcelo has a bad game. Uh, but but Santa Clara is definitely one of them, and that's the game that's coming up on Thursday. I think it's very possible that the Broncos take that one against the Cougars. All right, two segments down, one to go. Discussing more listener submitted hot takes. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Even in 2022, BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action. In fact, with a new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Hey Zags fans, Andy Patton here with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about called GetUpside. My listeners are making up to $0.25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE to get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two dollars to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get up to $0.50 per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code SCORE. All right, segment three. Andy Patton here, still locked on Zags, still going through. Listeners submitted hot takes for our Andy Lock segment. This first take comes from Winston via Twitter DM. He says the Zags will have three current or former coaches with top 25 teams by the time the NCAA tournament starts. So yeah, so the take here basically, if I'm understanding it correctly, unless I'm not thinking of something, is that Boise State and Leon Rice will be a top 25 team when the NCAA tournament starts. Also, the assumption is that Gonzaga and Arizona will continue to be top 25 teams, which I think is quite likely. Boise State is the wild card in this situation. They are 16-4 and on the year. They are 41st in Ken Palm. They are on a 13-game winning streak. They have beat Wyoming. They have beat San Diego State. They're in first place in the Mountain West Conference. So yeah, I think this is very, very possible. I think this is just right. I think Boise State is kind of right on the borderline right now. I think a lot of people think that the Mountain West is still Colorado State's conference. It's still, you know, San Diego State's still right on that line as well. They're higher in Ken Palm rating. Wyoming is a great team. They have not been that high in the Ken Palm ratings. I think they're in the 50s somewhere. So it's kind of a question of, How many teams are going to make it? I think Boise State's going to be an NCAA tournament team. I wouldn't be super surprised by that. But we're talking about them being a top 25 team. And that's a little bit trickier. Obviously, the AP poll voters are hesitant to vote for non-power conference schools. Uh, A four-loss Boise State team, even if they're on a 13-game winning streak, is not... Super impressive yet, but again, the recent wins over Wyoming, over San Diego State really help. If they can secure a win over Colorado State, that's going to help even more. I think that would probably solidify it, assuming they don't lose any other games in conference play. I think it's going to be close. I think there's a reasonable argument for them to be a top 25 team right now or very soon if they continue to win, but I'm not super sold on it actually happening. But I do think that there will be certainly three Gonzaga team or Gonzaga current or former coaches head coaching teams in the NCAA tournament because I do think Boise State and, of course, Arizona and Gonzaga are going to be there. Next one comes from Christian via Gmail. He says, Chet Holmgren and Jalen Suggs will reunite in Orlando and within three seasons will make the playoffs and go to Disney World to celebrate. I don't know where they would go after they make the playoffs, but Disney World sure as hell makes a lot of sense considering they play in Orlando. Uh, As for Chet Holmgren and Jalen Suggs reuniting, that is The prediction from Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN, who made his most recent mock draft public on, I believe, Wednesday of this week, and he had the Orlando Magic picking first, and he had Chet Holmgren going first overall. Lately, we've seen Chet fall in—he's been third on most of the recent mock drafts that I've been reading behind Paolo Bancaro and Javari Smith from Auburn. He's been third in that kind of range, along with Jaden Ivey from Purdue. who's kind of right in that conversation as well. Ben Mathurin from Arizona. I would be fairly surprised if Chet fell to three. I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't go one. I think between Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren and, of course, Paolo, I think there's three really, really talented, high-profile players. And Chet plays the the least appealing position. The other guys are more point-forward type players. And that's all the rage in the modern NBA. Chet, of course, is a seven-foot... Shot blocker who can shoot threes, which has been all the rage in every era of basketball ever. That is highly appealing all of the time. But I wouldn't be super shocked if somebody wanted to go with those other guys first, just because they are more more appealing in the modern NBA, I suppose. But... I don't know that I'd want to overthink it too much. And Chet is pretty clearly a player who's going to have a dynamite impact in the NBA right away. Look at Evan Mobley, who is kind of a a similar type player as a shot blocker who also could shoot a little bit in college. He's having a tremendous rookie season for Cleveland. Uh, so I, I don't know where Orlando's going to pick. Obviously, they could pick first. They could pick second. They could pick third. Like, there's a reasonable chance that Chet Holmgren will be wherever they end up picking. They need bigs. That is a position of need for this team. They have a lot of young guards, obviously, including Suggs himself. So I don't think they're going to use their top pick on a guard. So if they're going to use a top three pick on a center, it makes a lot of sense that it ends up being Chet Holmgren and that those two guys get reunited, which would be incredibly fun. It'd be a bummer that the Gonzaga part— of their story would be the only time that they weren't actually playing together because my word if those two guys were on the same team at the same time uh, I think you could probably hang a a banner in the kennel before the season even ended but unfortunately they missed each other here at Gonzaga but it'd be very fun to see them be teammates again in the NBA next up this one comes from Jay via gmail he says Joel Ayayi will be a rotation player in the NBA before the season is up yeah so this is too hot uh he's not he's not quite there yet Uh, he's not uh, he he's good enough to be an NBA player, and he's probably good enough to have played more than the you know, seven games and 2.9 minutes per game that he has played. He's only scored two points. He has four assists. But he, he really struggled in the summer league, and he didn't look like a confident basketball player going out and looking for a shot. Um, and and the Summer League is different than even the G League, than even certainly the NBA in the sense that it's more of trying to show off for scouts than it is like playing team basketball. So I understand that, and Joel's much more of a team basketball. He doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective type of player. We've seen him have a lot of great success in the G League. He's put up some really monster numbers for the Capital City Go-Go's, the G League team affiliate for the Washington Wizards, but he hasn't gotten a ton of run in Washington. He's signed to a two-way contract, so he would have to— either become a rotation player in Washington or get traded to another team, or get cut and sign somewhere else and become a rotation player there. I don't see a rotation situation opening up in Washington. They have a lot of depth uh, at all of their guard positions. Um, I just would be surprised if it happened. I think he'll play more as the year goes on. That would not surprise me at all, but I'm not sure he's going to quite reach the threshold as rotation player. But there's a possibility that it happens for him down the line. I'm not ruling him out of being a rotation player in the NBA someday. Just not sure that it's going to happen this year. And the final question of the show comes from Christian. He says, Drew Timmy will finally land a beard slash facial hair grooming company and will end a commercial with a stash signature celebration. Sorry, I <laughs> messed up the wording there. He's going to land an NIL deal, basically, to get a beard or facial hair company. And then he's going to do a commercial where he does his stash signature celebration. I would love this, obviously. How could you possibly not love this? I wonder if the, the lack of... We've seen the stash more often the last couple of games. There was kind of a a big period of time in the season where we really didn't see a lot of the stash celebrations. Some people thought that it was because he wasn't playing as well as he did last year. I don't know if he abandoned it for any particular reason. He sure seems to be back to doing it now. Uh, It would be super fun to see him do it in a commercial. Uh, They've obviously made references to it in the uh, Northern Quest commercials, uh, the casino in Spokane, uh, where another person does the stash celebration with Drew Timmy, but he does not do it himself. Uh, It would be fun to see him get some kind of company that uh, involves facial hair in some capacity because that's such an iconic part of his look. Um, but it has not happened yet. I don't know how aggressively he's out looking for NIL deals right now, so I'm not holding my breath that this is something that's going to happen for him uh, before the end of the season., uh, But maybe if he comes back next year, he'll he'll land himself a nice deal with somebody and uh, and have a have a big commercial that goes out nationwide of him doing the stash celebration and really uh, alienating a lot of college basketball fans uh, before he comes back for his fourth and final year. All right, happy Zags Day fans. Can't wait to chat with you all tonight during the game. It's going to be super fun and a great game against LMU. Hopefully the Zags can get out in transition, throw down a lot of dunks, score over 100 points. Reaction pod coming on Friday as always to finish off the show right here on the Locked on Zags podcast. Available wherever you get podcasts and available on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button for YouTube if you have not done it already. Finally, thank you again to those of you who make this podcast your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen of the day, the Locked on Bets podcast. Locked on Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all of your sports gambling needs. Locked on Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. All right, thank you all for listening and go Zags.